You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Katherine Patterson. This is the WFHB Local News for Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. This week, we present a four-part WFHB News Special, where we revisit the stories we've covered over the last year. We selected four areas of reporting, which include homelessness in Bloomington, the coronavirus pandemic, social justice reporting, and environmental issues. In our second installment of this series, we focus on the coronavirus pandemic, providing a timeline of news reports from the spring of 2020 to the spring of 2021. This topic is ever expansive, and we've covered the virus in almost every newscast since 2020. However, we've collected an archive of reports to highlight the work of WFHB news reporters. All that and more in today's edition of the WFHB Local News, the coronavirus pandemic. Over one year ago today, on March 20, 2020, the first case of novel coronavirus was confirmed in Bloomington. That same month, WFHB News began to operate remotely. As of March 2021, we still continue to report in a remote setting. Early on in the pandemic, we started doing live updates each day on COVID-19. Here is a glimpse of our early reporting on the coronavirus pandemic in our local news brief filed March 16, 2020, including the first lives lost to COVID-19, the closing of Indiana University, and early guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Approximately an hour ago today, Indiana Governor Holcomb reported the first death in the state due to COVID-19. The infected patient was over the age of 60 with additional health issues, according to the Community Health Network. Coronavirus is impacting more than just health. Now, there are 24 positive cases of coronavirus, according to the Indiana State Department of Health. There are likely many more unconfirmed, milder cases in the Hoosier State. However, due to lack of testing capability, this results in an unclear amount of coronavirus. The reports that Indiana restaurants, bars, and nightclubs are being required to close to dine-in customers through the month of March, according to one of several news directives from Governor Eric Holcomb. Those restaurants may provide takeout and delivery services. WNDU also reported hospitals and ambulatory surgical centers should cancel or postpone elective and non-urgent surgical procedures. Then in April, our public affairs program, KiteLine, reported on how COVID-19 spreads inside prison walls. When they put a tray in our trap holes, um, they spray the trap after we get the tray back, and that's pretty much the end of the whole the, the so-called cleaning and disinfecting process. We still feel that the communication that goes on. Um, you know, we we have no problem with the you know with the lockdowns and things of this nature here. I think that it causes a lot of tension when things are being explained to us about why certain processes are occurring. On April 13th, abortion clinics were deemed non-essential in Indiana. 
WFHB correspondent Katrine Bruner interviewed All Options Pregnancy Center Executive Director Parker Dockray. You can only access abortion care in Indiana until you're about 13 weeks pregnant as it is. Um, so we work with a lot of people that have to go to Illinois um, or Ohio to find care after 13 weeks. And that's so that's another factor that like, you know, if somebody's 11 weeks pregnant now, they can't wait for two weeks right? Um, or three weeks or a month, um, or that means they're going to have to travel even further and potentially put everyone at more risk. So the more we can get people in um, for essential care quickly, the better. Also in April, WFHB started a weekly interview segment with Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton to provide local updates on COVID-19 and other community issues. Here's an excerpt from our first A Few Minutes with the Mayor. So our first question is from Facebook. It's from Joe. He's asking, when will the city start antibody testing? Most of us will survive. A third of us won't notice the infection. Another third will recover without health care. We need to move forward with knowledge. So, Mayor Hamilton, when will the city start antibody testing? Well, I wish we could do more testing right now. Uh, the question notes a really important point, which is we haven't, we have not been able to do the kind of testing we would like for this virus. By May 27, 2020, there were over 32,000 positive cases and 1,871 deaths in Indiana from coronavirus. Then in June 2020, WFHB News covered the surge of positive COVID-19 cases and deaths in local nursing homes. Here was WFHB correspondent Braden Lentz who filed that report. Indiana nursing homes have seen higher numbers of COVID-19 cases in both staff and patients. According to a statewide total, Indiana has reported 4,086 positive tests and 876 deaths, including 461 new positive tests at nursing homes and an additional 144 additional deaths of nursing home residents. State Department of Health officials refused to release the number of coronavirus cases and deaths from individual nursing homes. In late May, Monroe County's Golden Living Nursing Facility had the highest surge in coronavirus cases. A report from May 22nd displayed out of all 126 residents, 13 tested positive for the virus. On May 23rd, the number of cases jumped to 45 among 124 residents. It was reported on Friday an additional 49 residents tested positive out of 119 living residents. 109 nursing home employees had tested positive for the virus. Also in the summer of 2020, our public affairs program Bring It On discussed how the COVID-19 pandemic impacted people experiencing homelessness in Bloomington probably start off and, and ask you all to kind of paint a picture of how drastically things have changed for your organization uh, pre-pandemic compared to, to the current situation. And, and Reverend Gilmore, we can start with you if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think probably the biggest, you know, there are probably at least two main, main things that are serious, uh, seriously affecting our folks and, and the, the folks that we work with. And 
Um, one is, you know, um, a lot of uh, folks in shelters and uh, experiencing homelessness have um, are in close proximity with each other. They're living in, you know, together and um, eating together and sleeping in the same, you know, space and all and all that. So, so how do we kind of adapt um, all that we do to help people stay safe from coronavirus so it doesn't spread uh, through and and affect a lot of people? Um, and the other thing is, if someone does get sick, uh, what what do you do uh, then? If you're you know, the average person who's kind of uh, trying to, um, uh, you know, get sick and they're told to isolate, um, they have a home that they theoretically can go and isolate to. And when you're homeless, you have nowhere to go. So we had to adapt to those two major uh, realities um, in all the work that we've been doing. So that involves everything from health checks, uh, temperature readings, and, and such hand-washing requirements for folks, uh, social distancing practices. On July 1st, we covered how entertainment venues were impacted by COVID-19 through the lens of the Buzzkirk Chumley Theater and the Comedy Attic. Well, I mean, we were to the Buzzkirk Chumley Theater, so kind of the whole point of what we do here is for people to gather. So we really have not had any activity since we were forced to um, shut down in mid-March. You know, other than a virtual event um, and a few other things here and there, there just hasn't been any activity here at the Bus Creek Family. So as of right now, employees, you know, are working um, in a more staggered schedule, reduced schedule. Um, we have employees that have masks on, we have hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, because uh, it's an old building, so we don't have a ton of office space. So we're trying to keep people spread out throughout the building. Luckily, it's a large building, so we can kind of sometimes have people stationed at various other parts to get work done and things like that. Or if they just feel more safe working from home, they don't need to be in the building for any reason. We're encouraging employees to stay home. As, as did the majority of everybody, especially at entertainment, we just completely stopped on, you know, as soon as we found out that it was as bad as it could be and we were closed for a hundred days. So, I mean, it's, it's been terrible in every way possible. Then by July 1st, Indiana had moved to a quote, cautious stage 4.5. This executive order signed by governor Eric Holcomb was part of Indiana's effort to reopen at this time. Face coverings were still not mandatory this virus is on the prowl and in some places it's gaining momentum it's not slowing down that spread is not slowing down it's just doing the doing the opposite and that's why you see a number of states that are actually even though they've maybe reopened recently they're now going back and closing um, some of those facilities or closing parts of their economy we don't want to find ourselves in that situation. WFHB this is the local news brief for Tuesday, August 25th. I'm Jake Jacobson. 815 new cases of COVID-19 were reported in Indiana on Monday, according to the Indiana State Department of Health. There were 15 reported deaths. Locally, Monroe County saw 15 new confirmed cases yesterday, while Lawrence County saw six. Brown County reported no new cases. The Indiana Renters Assistance Portal is set to close tomorrow, August 26th at 11.59 p.m. The Renters Assistance Program was created to help families whose income has been reduced due to the ongoing COVID-19.
In the fall of 2020, our public affairs program, Bring It On, hosted a panel on how the Monroe County Community School Corporation coped with COVID-19 at the time. It's interesting because way back, I, I guess probably June, July, I can't remember when it was, but when we first kind of re received news that there would be like an online academy, that's what they were calling it at first, there would be an online academy and there were some um, suggestions or um, some people said that they would be hiring new teachers in order to staff the online academy. Um, I wasn't really sure how that would happen, just knowing budgetary constraints and things like that. So I assumed maybe they would allocate some teachers for online, allocate some for in-person, something like that. Um, it quickly became apparent that that was not going to be the case and that many teachers across buildings would be asked to do both, sometimes at the same time, often, you know, across different periods. Um, some schools at the elementary level do have dedicated online teachers. Some kids are in classrooms that are mixed, that have online and hybrid or online and in-person all at once. I think the burden on teachers is enormous right now. It's, it's really, really intense. Um, we ask increasingly a lot of teachers, and this is no exception. By November 30th, IU Health Hospital South Central Region President Brian Shockney reported the highest COVID-19 patient volume since the start of the pandemic. Meanwhile, Indiana schools struggled to stay open after a spike in COVID-19 cases. As of Monday, the Indiana State Department of Health reported over 15,000 total cases of COVID-19 in schools. That number includes students, teachers, and staff members. The number of positive cases is likely higher as participating in the state dashboard is not mandatory for schools. 386 schools have not reported COVID-19 data to the state health department. The Associated Press reported that schools struggle to stay open due to the increasing number of new infections and related quarantines. As of tomorrow, all Marion County schools are moving complete, completely online until mid-January, according to an order of, by the County Health Department. After a week-long break from classes, Monroe County Community School Corporation will move to Phase Yellow, which means that elementary schools will continue in person, while middle and high schools continue a hybrid model of learning. Any student in 100% virtual learning will continue to do so. Kelby Turnmill, communications officer for MCCSC, said in a phone conversation on Monday that the school corporation's COVID-19 data is monitored daily and is subject to change. In mid-December, MCCSC will decide how it will move forward with in-person learning. Richland Bean Blossom Schools will use e-learning from November 23rd to December 4th. In-person learning will begin on December 7th. On October 7th, our public affairs program Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio, interviewed Wayne Forrester, a professor in biology at IU, about the science behind the virus and its effects on the human body. You know, I think anytime there's there's a new virus that appears, there's a very short window where if you detect it, you can try to shut it down. But outside of that window, once that initial period of time has elapsed, then it's very difficult because there are so many people who are infected. 
And this virus now is in most states in the country, and it's in most countries across the world. So clearly it's out there, and it's going to continue spreading. Even if we try to shut down person-to-person -person communication of the virus, it, there's a period of time during which it's still going to be spreading. To limit the spread, you have to limit the contact between individuals, but that's not an easy thing to do. And so um, even countries where they've, they've essentially shut down, like Italy, they've shut down almost everything in Italy, the virus is still spreading. Now, hopefully, it will start to taper off soon, but that's going to take a few weeks. Every aspect of our day-to-day -day lives seem to look different, from the Zoom meetings to how we interact with our loved ones, and even the way we do elections. We have a proscribed method for cleaning everything from pens to surfaces to, yes, that's right, even the faucets in the restrooms. And it's done on a schedule so that we can maintain both social distancing but also clean surfaces. We're using an iPad as the poll clerk book, and people can sign with their fingers, and we wash them after every usage. And so we're trying to do our best to, you know, protect both the workers but also, importantly, the voters as well. In December, Indiana suspended in-person jury trials due to COVID concerns. WFHB correspondent Aaron Comforti filed that report. So it, the suspension's impacting everybody. Um, no matter where you are in the justice system, I think that this probably would have an effect on you. So we're certainly seeing it and it affects things in our office. But I think that the effect right now is probably on everybody. It is a fairly unprecedented thing. It would be a really bad time to be a person charged with a crime who is not guilty right now <laughs> in that situation where that happens. Unless you can afford bail, have the money to bail out and uh, secure your release pre-trial, or unless you can convince a judge to let you out uh, on your own recognizance without having to pay money, then you would be incarcerated you know, pending the resolution of your case, you know, so if you're taking the case to trial, we have no idea when that resolution will be. Late in December and leading into January, vaccines started to roll out. WFHB correspondents Jake Jacobson and Aaron Comforti have been following the state's vaccine numbers in the WFHB local news briefs. Here is a mashup chronicling the state's vaccine rollout in our daily news briefings. This is the local news brief for Tuesday, January 26th. I'm Jake Jacobson. The age requirement to sign up and receive the COVID-19 vaccination from the Indiana Department of Health is currently 70 years of age and older. If you qualify, you can sign up by visiting the website ourshot.in.gov or by calling 211 for assistance. From WFHB, this is the local news brief for Wednesday, February 17th. I'm Aaron Comforti. 
The age requirement to sign up to receive the COVID-19 vaccination from the Indiana Department of Health is now 65 years of age and older. Hoosiers who are first responders or healthcare workers can also get their vaccines. If you qualify, you can sign up online by visiting ourshot.in.gov. Hoosiers ages 60 to 64 are now eligible to sign up and receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Hoosiers who are first responders or healthcare workers can still sign up to receive their vaccines as well. On Wednesday, the Indiana State Department of Health announced that residents ages 50 and older are now eligible to sign up and receive the COVID-19 vaccine. The age of eligibility has been lowered twice just in the past week or two from 60 plus last Monday. COVID-19 cases and deaths in Indiana have not been this low since early last fall. On Monday, teachers and people who work with children or in schools became eligible to sign up to get COVID-19 vaccines. And on Tuesday morning, Hoosiers aged 45 to 49 also became eligible to sign up. As of Monday, Hoosiers who are 40 years of age and older are currently eligible to sign up for the COVID-19 vaccine. Pre-K through high school teachers and staff, as well as Hoosiers who work in child care, are also eligible. First responders and healthcare workers still qualify to sign up as well. Now, the Joe Biden administration says it hopes to open vaccines to all adults by May 1st. To date, nearly 3 million people have died from COVID-19 worldwide. Almost 550,000 of those deaths happened in the United States. Indiana has seen over 12,500 deaths from COVID-19. 168 people in Monroe County have died from novel coronavirus. Meanwhile, the WFHB News Department continues to operate remotely. We continue to bring you updated information on COVID-19 through our hardworking remote volunteers. Stay tuned to the WFHB Local News Monday through Thursday to follow the vaccine rollout as we move past the new normal into our regular way of life. From WFHB, this is the local news brief for Wednesday, March 24th. I'm Aaron Comforti. This morning, the Indiana State Department of Health announced that all Indiana residents aged 16 and older will be eligible to sign up for the COVID-19 vaccine on March 31st. A handful of other states have already opened up vaccine eligibility to the entire adult population, but in Indiana, so far almost 1 million people have been fully vaccinated. That's about one in six people in the state. Another million and a half people have received the first dose of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccines. The Indiana State Department of Health has documented almost 700,000 cases of COVID-19 in the state. And while that is likely an undercount, it represents another large group of Hoosiers who may still have some immunity to the virus. In Monroe County, about one in seven people has received a full vaccine dose. Another fifth of the population has received their first shot. Right now, about a thousand Monroe County residents are receiving the vaccine every day. 
You've been listening to the WFHB Local News, the coronavirus pandemic. Today's feature was produced by Kate Young, Sydney Foreman, Maya Beach, Katrine Bruner, Brayden Lentz, Clarence Boone, William Hosea, the team at Hereabouts, Aaron Comforty, and Jake Jacobson. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Benedict Jones. And I'm Katherine Patterson. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast, as well as all other WFHB news programming online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you find your podcasts. Subscribe and never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Planetary Radio, coming up next on WFHB Community Radio. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 